This thing's a little bit how I feel in this heat, eh? Uh, this morning, I'm going to briefly talk about a topic that is dear to us all. It's entitled, What Makes Us Happy? Because in some shape or form, we all want to be happy. We all want to have that sort of joy. We want to be content. So what is it that makes us happy? And at the risk of sounding arrogant, so I don't want to do that, but I'm going to tell you what actually makes you happy. Now, for you that um, are maybe new here, haven't visited before, and you don't know who I am, please don't be offended when I say I'm going to tell you what actually makes you happy. Um, <clears throat> for many of us, we try to be happy, but it's just something that constantly eludes us from time to time. We're happy for a while and then we're not. We're, our, our emotional sign curve is like this. Our happiness, our joy, our contentment sign curve is like this. And sometimes it's like that and sometimes it's like that. Sometimes we're way up and sometimes we're way down. And for those of us that are regular members and perhaps um, what we would call Christians or Jesus followers, it's a good reminder, our topic today, what is it that makes us happy? And just remember, every time you open a magazine, every time you switch on the radio, every time you turn on the TV, every, night, every time you log on to the internet, you are confronted with people that you don't know, you are confronted with people from places you'll probably never go to, all trying to come up with some commercial, some advertising, some app that guarantees your happiness, your joy and your contentment. And there is such thing according to the commercials, according to the apps, according to the ads, that there is a possibility for you to be short-term happy, short-term joyous, short-term contented. But why is it that long-term often this eludes us? You know, we learn it very early in the piece. We learn the secret of being happy, being joyful, being contented in the backyard because... And here's what I'd like to submit to the court this morning, and that is this. Happiness, joy, contentment, let me give it to you again. Happiness is not so much connected with a what, but a who. And as I said, you learnt that fairly early on in the piece in the backyard, because in the backyard, it depended more who was in the backyard than what you were doing. If you had the right who or who's in the backyard, then you sort of didn't really matter what the what was. The backyard cricket game. If I was the bowler, now I'm advancing in years, forgive me for pulling this name out of the hat because most of you weren't even born 
But if I was bowling against my brother, Greg, I just wasn't any old bowler. I was Dennis Lilly. Because I knew I could put that ball through the back fence if he missed it. So it was important to be who. And if I'd picked up a bat, oh, no, no, I wasn't, oh, I, I, I wasn't McCosker. I was Greg Chappell. See, it was important who, not what. And in primary school, if you found a few who's that you could hang around with, it, it, it was less important what, but it was very important who. When you got to high school, all you had to do to fit in was find a group of who's. And if you found a group of who's, that you could connect with and you were part, you were a who of the who's, if you were a who of the group of who's, then it didn't so much matter what. Because you had your who's, because happiness, joy, contentment is not so much linked to a what, it's linked to a who. If it was linked to a what, if you had a happy what, wouldn't that be fantastic? You, you, you could... You, you could offend me, you could, you could tear a lump off me, you, you, you could, you could um, uh, vilify me in public and it wouldn't matter because I could just go home, lock the door and, 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 and lay on the lounge and, and switch on the TV and, and have some time with my happy what? If happiness was linked to a happy what, how easy would that be? Because all you would need was a pocket full of your happy what where you go home. Cuddle the happy what? You'd be happy with your happy what? But happy what? The truth about any happy what is that a happy what will often lead to a happy what else? A happy what's next? Let me illustrate. You happy with your new phone? You're elated when you bought your new phone, just as elated as you were when you bought your old phone. You see, your new phone, perhaps for some, is your happy what? But your happy what was your old phone before it was your new phone. Perhaps the same with your car. Your car was your happy what? Then... You got old and you changed it and your old car no longer to be your happy what. It was your new car was your happy what. Hmm. Are you familiar with the term the law of diminishing returns? If you're an economist, you would be. But let me put it in simple terms. That is this. When it comes to a happy what, the more you have, the less you appreciate it. Who likes chocolate? Huh. Thanks, Richie. Nobody else does. Come round to my place, mate. We'll pig out. There comes a point, even for the chocoholics like Rich and myself, there comes a point that if we sit down and bog in to our chocolate blocks, there comes a point where, you know what? I've had enough. I no longer crave that chocolate. You know what? When it comes to most things in life, 
those things that we would deem happy watts, they have connected to them a law. The law is called the law of diminishing returns. And that is this. When you first engage, it's all up there. But the longer you engage, the more it wears off. It can be that way with religion. It can be that way with marriage. It can be that way with money. It can be that way with your job. Surely not. Hmm. See, in the end, happiness is not connected to possessions. It's connected to relationships. At the end of your days, there's a good chance that you won't have possessional regrets, but you will have perhaps some relational regrets because happiness, joy, contentment is connected not to possessions or what's, but relationships. Who? You know, when you're breathing your last, there's a good chance, ladies, that when you're in hospital, you won't pick up the phone and say, honey, can you bring me my pair of shoes? My red ones with a long heel. I'd just like to spend the last few moments with my shoes. I'd like to have some nice moments just before I pass. Men, you're probably not going to call the nurse and say, Nurse, can you jam me in this wheelchair and wheel me out to the car park so I'm going to have the last few moments with the car? You see, at the last, there's a good chance that you won't be interested in making amends with any possessions, but there's a good chance you'll want to spend time and make amends or connect with a relationship or a who. The truth is, real happiness, real joy, Real contentment is relational, not possessional. And there may be some in the house this morning saying, well, yeah, that's pretty cute, but I don't need anyone to make me happy. I'm quite fine how I am. I can survive quite nicely, thanks. I don't need no one. People like that, let me suggest, often fall into one or two groups. First group, they're those people that are relationally rich and have been so all their life. They have had relationships with family and friends, neighbours, colleagues, school buddies, whatever you, how you may term it. They are people that are used to having relationships with others. It's like someone saying, well, you know, I'm rich. I don't need any money. Why well, I don't need any money? Because I've already got enough money. 
Some would argue that. Food? I don't need any food. Why? Because I've got heaps of it. Always have had. Have you ever been down to your last, can't say cent these days, five cents? Bet you haven't. Have you ever been down to your last wheat bix? I bet you haven't. Have you ever drove, driven past roadkill and thought, hmm, if only it wasn't Adventist? First group of people. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to be happy. I don't need anyone to be joyful. I don't need anyone to get a kick out of love. I don't need anyone to be contented. Second group. The second group of people that say, look, I don't really need anyone. Are often those people that are relationally poor and isolated but can't do anything about it. And because they can't do anything about it, they fake it. They say, well, I don't need anyone anyway. Because they realise there's not much they can do about it, or they think there's not much they can do about it, so they come up with this line. Yeah, well, I don't care. I'm I'm happy in my own skin. I, I, I don't need anyone to be happy. I don't need anyone to bring that joy into my life. I don't need anyone to be contented with. To those people, I'd like to offer this. There is a problem with that thinking because we are created as social beings. We are created to be in relationships. We're not created for isolation. We're not created for Facebook. We're created for face-to-face. There's danger in saying that I don't need anyone to be happy. Because I believe that true happiness and joy and contentment is not possessional. It's related to relational. There seems to be one thing that happy people seem to have. I don't know about you. But the books seem to say it. Life experience, I seem to have seen it. But there seems to be something that happy, joyful and contented people seem to have. They seem to have peace. Happy people seem to have that inner peace. They have peace with themselves. What does that mean? Oh, are you at peace with yourself? Well, I don't know. I haven't checked. 
What does it mean? What does it mean to have peace with yourself? To have peace with yourself is that to be that kind of person where underneath you're actually quite fine, irrespective of the surroundings. How do they do that? The person that's peace at peace with themselves is that kind of person who's not trying to be something that they're not. They're not trying to act out to be someone who they're not. They're just happy being who they are. They're just happy being who they are. They're not tryhards. They're not going around and then when they leave, I wonder what they're really like. Happy people are people that seemingly have an inner peace. They're happy with themselves. They're also happy with others. They're not kind, they're truly happy people, but people that, that, that are joyful and contented, generally speaking. I know there's ups and downs in life, but generally speaking, happy people are people with peace and they have peace with others. They're not volcanic. They're not the kind of people that walk around in a cloud. You know what I mean? They're not the kind of people that are seeking to have revenge or I'm going to get back on them, I tell you. Or I'm going to try and make them do that. I'm going to, mate, I'm going to get that made up to, to, they should never, I tell you. They're just irrespective of even sometimes when they're mistreated. They just seem to cruise on through with that sort of peace. They're not churning inside. They're not beside themselves. They're not, they're not revengeful. They just, they just, they just got that peace. Happy people are the kind of people that don't get offended easy. I don't get offended very easily. Think about that. I'm offended. Nothing happens. If you get offended at tea tomorrow night, it doesn't mean that the next day you're going to wake up and look, I've got leprosy. You see, if you're offended, oh, I'm offended, nothing happens. I'm offended. Okay. You're offended. Nothing is going to happen. People, they're at peace. They're happy and joyful and contented. Are those people? Seem to be those people that are happy and contented with others. And happy people, contented people are those, usually, they're at peace with God. Now, I realise that not all happy people, contented people and joyful people are also at peace with God. I accept that. But I believe that those that are at peace with God, listen to me, those that are at peace with God, I've lost you before here, look out the front. Those that are at peace with God. It paves the way to be peaceful 
in yourself and equips you to be peaceful with others. Let me give you that again. I believe those who are at peace with God are more able to be at peace with themselves and better equipped to be at peace with others. Those that are at peace with God seem to be those kind of people who understand that there's, there's, a, bigger, there's a bigger picture. There's some sort of purpose in all this. This isn't just like three score years and ten and then that's it. There's something big going on here. There's something happening with history. There's, and I'm a, I'm a part of it. These people that are at peace with God seem to understand that there is a, 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 a bigger canvas, a big picture. There's, there's, there's a picture that's made up of a whole lot of parts, and I'm just one of those parts, but it is a bigger picture, and there is a purpose to life. And those people that are at peace with God understand that even through the tough times, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, you know, the text, Psalm 23. I say, look, it's only a shadow. I don't know, I can't think of anyone, if you can, just raise your hand. I can't think of anyone killed by a shadow. Can you think of anyone? Oh, mate, what's wrong with you? Broken leg, yeah, a shadow fell on me. Wow, how'd you lose your arm? Uh, Run into a nasty shadow. (laughs) I don't know anyone who's been damaged by a shadow. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for my Lord is with me. I'm at peace. For every one of us, if I gave you a little bit of time just to think about, relate, relate an instance or a time in your life when, you know what, that went fairly bad. You know what, um, I kind of regret that. I wish I could do a redo on that. If I was to get you up here and you were able to testify and you had time to think about it, there's probably 99% of you, if not 100% of you, if you came up here and testified uh, about a time where, you know what, that was pretty ordinary. I wish, I wish that had never happened. I wish I could redo that. I wish we could do that over again. There's a good chance you would not bring to me a testimony about a possession. You would bring a testimony about a relationship. You would bring me a testimony not of a what, but you'd bring a testimony about a who, someone, whether it be God or whether it be a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever it may be. It would probably be a testimony about a time that you regret, but it would be connected with a who, not a what. Good chance. Any decisions that you make that undermine your peace 
have the capability, therefore, of undermining your happiness. If you are in the valley of decision, think, well, this could go badly, but I'll risk it. Slip on down the pokies, blackjack table. Reading the paper last weekend? What was it, six and a half million? Every week's put through the pokies? million dollars a week or something like that. Incredible amount of money. <laughs> if any decision that you are wrestling with has the sure capability of eroding your peace, you can bet that it also has the capability of eroding your happiness, of your joy and your contentment. And this is something that Christians, and don't get hung up with the word Christian. If you're not a Christian, don't worry too much. But, but the word Christians only appears two or three times in Scripture anyway. Jesus never said, be a Christian, be a Christian, be a Christian. But he did say, be a follower be a follower, come follow me. So if you're out of shape with the word Christian, let's just call it Jesus follower. And this is something that Jesus followers have been able to tap into over the ages. This whole peace thing, this whole joy thing, this whole contentment thing, they've been able to tap into that. How have they been able to do that? Because peace as I said, with God, paves the way for peace with others and peace with yourself. In fact, the New Testament is awash with stories. In fact, the whole New Testament is pretty much about how to be at peace <laughs> with others. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Starts off, the New Testament starts off. Hey, peacemakers, we're on the road. Let's go. New Testament, if you're a Christian, full of stories about how to be at peace with yourself, with others, and with God. In fact, there's a story. It's found in Matthew 22. And in the story, there's a lawyer that comes and asks Jesus a question. And Jesus is sitting there one day, and the lawyer comes up and he says, Hey, Jesus, um, <clears throat> listen, um, <clears throat> we're, we're, 
we've got a lot of laws. Don't worry about that at the moment. We've got a lot of laws. Oh, well, that's not there. It must be up there. Um, we've got a lot of laws, you know. We've got laws for everything. In fact, we've got about 600 of them. We've got heaps of them. We've got laws for this. We've got laws for that. We've got laws that cover this. We've got laws that cover that. We've got heaps of laws. But let me tell you something. Um, or let me ask you something. I, as a lawyer, ask you because you are the Son of God. And therefore, if you are the Son of God, then you speak for the Father. So would you please entertain me just for a moment if I ask you the question, and the question is this, and it's one of the most um, um, best questions, that came out wrong, um, the best, one of the best questions ever asked Jesus Christ, he asked a lot of questions, a lot of stupid questions, and he was asked some pretty significant questions, and the lawyer asked him this question, and he said, Jesus, tell me this, um, what is, um, <clears throat> what, what, what do you consider to be the most important law? What, what's, what's the most important commandment? If, 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 if I was to ask your father, and I mean you're in contact with your father, that's what you've been saying. So um, if, if I was to ask you to ask the father, the father you know, answered you and you answered me, um, what would you consider, what would he consider to be the most important law? What would be the most important commandment? What do you think, Jesus? And Jesus answers, love. No, um, you see, you've, you've misinterpreted the question. Um, you didn't hear it right. See, what, what, we've got all these laws, and I think I, I, I've got the answer. But I just want to hear what you have to say because you're the Son of God and you're in contact with the Father. Well, the question was, let me give it to you again. The question was, what do you think is the most important command or most important law according to your father and Jesus says love um, yeah look I'm, I'm kind of not getting through you know um, because love is it's not really a command word is it you know, it's not really a command word. It's, it's a relational word. You know, I'm after, here, give me some thou's and, and, and thou shalt nots. And, and would you have a couple of do's and don'ts perhaps, you know, because if he was to ask you and he was to ask me, I'd probably say, well, I don't know, important, important law. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, don't kill. Um, yeah, don't be nasty. Don't, uh, don't, don't gossip. Don't lie. Um, don't. Don't covet. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. There's heaps of them to choose from. Mate, there's heaps. You know, I've got 600 of them to choose from. There's so many. Let me think. Can I come back to you on that? That's maybe how we would answer. Because there's heaps of them. But Jesus says, no, I understand the question. I understand the question. I'm giving you the answer. Love. He goes on. He says this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, um, Jesus, we have an issue here. We've got a problem here. You know, I was asking, like, what's, you know, the greatest commandment, you know? I mean, I've got the list, you know, that's sort of not on the list, you know? What's, you know, the do's and, and the don'ts? You see, for, for, you, for you and I, stand up proudly if you associate laws and commands with peace. <laughs> it's usually the opposite, isn't it? 
when you see the blue light flash in the rearview mirror, oh, beauty, I've been waiting for you. Good to see you. Party time. You see, we associate laws and commands usually with the opposite of peace When you see the light in the back window and you've got your ticket, then it's a race with the devil to get home, you know what I mean? But Jesus says this. Now, I understand the question. I'll answer it for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Translation, be at peace with God. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question. Um, <clears throat> be at peace. Be at peace with God. Be happy with God. Be joyful with God. Be contented with God and what God has for you and you have for God. Be contented with that. Be happy with that. Be at peace with God. But he doesn't leave it there. Because there's an ant. Check it out. There's an and, the second, oh, the second, oh, this is a package deal. This is the bundle. Huh? This is a two for one. This is I can't separate. This is not that, let's move on to this. This is that and by the little conjunction and, joining word, little conjunction and, there is a second part of it. You can't cut off the front part and just run with the second part. You can't cut off the second part and just stop at the front part. Jesus says this, and the second is just like it. And the second says this, And the second is just like it, you shall love your what? Neighbour, others, as yourself, you. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Translation, Jesus, tell us, what's the greatest law? What's the greatest command that's ever fallen from the Father's lips? Be at peace with God. Be at peace with others. Be at peace with yourself. It seems that Jesus is saying that the most important thing to God, the most important command, is to be at peace. What Jesus seemed to say here is the most important thing for us is not be connected with a what as far as a happiness or a joy or a contentment, but to be connected with a who. Be at peace with God, be at peace with others, and be at peace with ourselves. Before I was a Jesus follower, committed one at 27, which is 30 years ago now, 
I thought that God got in the way of your peace. I thought God got in the way of your joy. I thought God wasn't the way to contentment. And then I met someone who just had that peace about her. She was at peace with herself. She was at peace with others. And she seemed to be at peace with God. And I couldn't sort of understand it. Because I always thought there were two options. One option, be at peace with God. Be a good Christian. Or be happy. (laughs) Because that's often the lie that we accept. That it's God that gets in the way of our joy in life. That God gets in the way of us being contented because I get my contentment from a what? Because my house is full of happy watts. You know, they just did. Just beginning of this year, so it's only a few weeks ago. It must, must have been the end of last year, perhaps. I don't know. But it's in, in Christianity Today, and I was just reading it yesterday. They, um, <clears throat> they looked at, um, they've been looking at what makes families peaceful. <laughs> um, and there's a whole article, but just zeroed in on something that was quite interesting, and that was this. They looked at, in America, they looked at all these homes that were five bedrooms and plus, and they looked at, at these little homes that were 100, 100 square feet less and less, which are tiny, like it's like the size of your toilet almost, you know. And what they found was this. It was very interesting. When they, when they looked at um, the big homes and in the homes themselves, the big homes, and in the little homes, they found not much difference between the stuff that was contained within those homes. I can't actually remember the exact figure. They didn't go through any cupboards. They didn't go through any drawers, nothing like that. They didn't walk into any walk-in robes or, or open up the closets or anything like that. They just counted the things that they could find in each home. They found that most homes had over 2,000 items in the house that they could see. 2,000. Because we've been sold a lie that the way to happiness is a happy what? That will always lead to a happy what else? A happy what's next? Because happiness and joy and contentment is not connected to what? It's connected to who? Jesus invites you and I to be at peace with his dad, peace with others, and to be at peace with ourselves. There's one thing. I've got time. There's one thing I'd like to, to add to it. There's a guy by the name of James. He wrote a book. He was actually the brother of Jesus. Imagine that, growing up in that household. Jesus, your older brother, and James is a little guy. Imagine that. James, <clears throat> can you go out and fetch some water? 
Oh, no, don't worry about it. Jesus got some. Get it? Don't know. Imagine growing up in a family where Jesus was your older brother. There in James chapter 1 and verse 15, I think it is, we find a little text that's most telling. Because this text says this, and this is from James, who became a Jesus follower, and he says this, Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, this word sin, if you're a Christian and you were to define sin, then you'd probably once again go to the Bible and you'd define sin. If you're Jewish, you'd probably go to the Old Testament. And if you're Christian or a Jesus follower, you'd probably hit the New Testament. And if you're from another religion, Eastern religion, you'd probably go to your sacred writings or something like that. But look, even if you are not Christian, even if you're not Jewish, even if you're not religious in any way, let's just define sin the broadest terms we can let's just define it in such a way that we're all in the same seat and perhaps we could say this sin is something that separates sin is something that separates sin is something that others do and things that you do that you know you should not do but you do anyway Sin is something that others do and you do that you know you shouldn't do, but you do anyway. Sin, therefore, is something that you do that makes you fall below the standard in which you believe you should be living at. So, therefore, the base definition of sin is this. Sin is something that separates. Think about it. Sin can separate us from others. You think about your last or you think about uh, a, a relational issue that you may have had with someone in the past. It could have been spawned by a lie. It could be a cheat. It could be some gossip. It could be something, some way in which you, you were wronged and you thought that, that they wronged you and, and, and they thought that you wronged them and, and after a while you couldn't even remember who, who it was. But it, it didn't matter because um, you, you had cut them off, that's it. You've, you've written them off. That's because sin separates. Things happen in relationships that separate relationships. Sin separates. The unfortunate thing is this. That when it comes to God, sin separates us from God as well. You that are Christians, you that are Jesus followers would know this well. That sin is actually defined in Scripture as separation from God. You see, it works like this. If you pick on Greg, you pick on God. Let me illustrate. You've got a grandson? What's his name? Sorry? Elijah. Elijah. He's a cutie, eh? Four months old. How would it be, Greg? How would it be if I went over to Elijah? I see Elijah. How about I go over and slap him? What do you reckon you might do if you get to me before Tristan does? You see, when we wrong 
someone who God loves, we also wrong God. When we erode, when we fracture that peace we have with others, it automatically begins to erode the peace that we have with God. That's why Scripture says, if you have a problem with your fellow man, go fix it. Don't just love your friends. Even the unchurched do that. Even the un-Jesus followers do that. That's easy. Love your enemies. Yeah, but if they slap me on the cheek, what do I do? Well, give them the other one. Yeah, but what happens if they ask me for my bag? Well, give them your shirt too. Matthew 25. If you wrong, some other, you inadvertently wrong the God of the universe. Because he's in love with you just as much as he's in love with me. He's crazy about you just as much as he's crazy about me. He's bananas about you. He's bananas about me. I slap him, you slap me. That's kind of not how the Lord works, but you get my point, I hope. You erode peace with others, you begin to erode peace with God. You also begin to erode peace with yourself. Ever thought or heard of this? Oh, mate, if that ever happened, I don't know what I would do. You know what? <laughs> Man, I just hope nobody finds that out. I tell you what, I'd be so embarrassed. I, I, would, I just couldn't go out, mate. If, mate, if, if that took place, I don't know how I'd stand in the mirror and look at myself. When things like that happen, that's when we start and put our facades on. That's when we start and put our masks on and we begin to act something that we're not because we're no longer at peace with ourselves. We try to be something that we're not. We try to act out something that we're actually not. Since happiness is about a who and not a what, in summary, since happy people are at peace with themselves, others, and let's say possibly God, since sin always tries to undermine our peace, since sin is in the business of separating by substitution, because it does, it'll substitute an image for a relationship, it'll substitute immediate for something that's eternal, it'll substitute a what for a who. If sin is in the business of separating by substitution, since Jesus valued and prioritised things by giving us the greatest commandment, peace with God, peace with others, peace with ourselves. And since you and I want to be happy, since you and I want to enjoy 
some kind of joyfulness in life and contentment, then we should consider becoming a Jesus follower. And if you are already a Jesus follower, then this year our commitment to this should be that we come as close as we can to the Father through Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit so that we too can be those people that would qualify for the rabbi and they still use this saying over in Israel today may the dust of the rabbi fall upon you may the dust of the rabbi fall upon you Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you have reminded us through the words of Jesus how we can be truly joyful, contented, happy, how we can enjoy that inner peace, that peace with others and peace with you. Lord, we are to put you first. Build that peace, build that relationship with you that will enable us to develop that inner peace we can have for ourselves to be happy in our own skin. And that peace that you bring will also equip us so that we can be at peace with others. Blessed are the peacemakers. For theirs will be the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.